I'm Rob Freeman, president of Kane Brothers. During this unprecedented and disorienting time, the team at Kane Brothers is conducting weekly interviews with leaders from throughout the healthcare industry for this special edition Industry Insights series. Our goal is to provide you and your organization with a wide array of views on the multifaceted dimensions, challenges, and responses to COVID-19. Transcripts are available on the Kane Brothers website. Please share your feedback with me or any of your Kane Brothers contacts, and thanks for listening. Hi, my name is Rob Freeman. I'm the president of Kane Brothers, and I'm delighted today to be interviewing Dr. Scott Hayworth, the president and CEO of Caremount Medical, and Kevin Conroy, the chief financial officer and chief population health officer of Caremount. Caremount is based in Westchester County, New York, just north of New York City, and is one of the largest primary care-oriented multi-specialty physician groups in the United States, with over 600 providers in 50 locations and uh, specializing in over 50 different areas. The business is one that is a lot today one of the largest independent uh, physician groups in the United States. So we're going to jump right in, and Scott, I'll start with you. Let's start with the big picture. Would you describe the impact, both positive and negative, of the steps that Caremount has taken to treating patients, protecting your clinicians and your staff, and securing the necessary supplies? Sure. Thank you, Rob. Well, let's first look at Caremount before the crisis. We were 600-plus providers providing care in six counties in New York, everywhere from Manhattan, 120 miles up to Kingston. We're the only next-gen ACO in New York, and we're one of 40 next-gen ACOs in the country. We had eight urgent care centers. And of course, safety of our patients and our providers was our number one priority. Once we ensured the safety, as our volumes dropped, we did a few things. First of all, we went to 12 visits in the morning and six visits in the afternoon, and we did interview patients ahead of time to make sure that they were in the right classification. As our volumes went down, unfortunately, it was necessary to furlough our employees. So we had an A and a B team. They would work one week and be furloughed the other week. We also leveraged our Teladoc platform. We had decided a couple years ago to start getting into telemedicine. So the team did an incredible job of, of bringing it up to speed quickly. And unlike other areas, in the country, we have every provider on telemedicine. So they've done an awesome job of doing that, and we are presently doing 1,400 visits a day. I think the positives is we had planned for this a few years ago, and we had PPE in stock. So some organizations had to cut down their visits because they didn't have the PPE. We were blessed that the management team had thought of this and had PPE in place. We also obviously bought the telemedicine platform ahead of time. And our providers really stepped up with having to maybe work in a different building and with different staff each week. They really show leadership. And I'm very, very proud of our providers. They really cooperated with the teams and did everything they could. And they're also doing more themselves as well. So I really have to give a shout out to our providers. Also, the only real negatives is a drop in volume, and Kevin can go into that later because obviously that affects revenue. And also, the substantial cost of PPE 
because we did have to go to the market and buy more PPE to replace the PPE we're using because we do put a mask on every patient who comes through the door as well as full PPE for the providers and staff. Kevin, which of the, uh, how would you describe the financial impact and in particular, which of the various CARES Act programs have you participated in so far and, and how have your commercial insurance partners responded in the New York market? Thank you, Rob. Yes, it, you know, I can only describe the financial impact as dramatic, as you might imagine. We're looking at a loss in revenues of upwards of 20%. Probably it's very difficult to tell at this point, given the trajectory of the crisis and the, and the virus, but we'll, we'll, time will tell. But at the very least, we're thinking that we're going to be down roughly 20%. From a federal aid perspective, we fall into an interesting category. Uh, you know, the CARES Act is providing some relief for physician groups, but as, as you know, down in Washington, as the aid packages evolve, a lot of it is going to be destined toward the hospitals, uh, and, and while the hospitals are absolutely on the front lines, and I completely admire what's going on there, they're suffering, you know, to a, to a similar extent. Uh, you know, we physician groups are also, as an alternative to the hospitals in trying to treat our patients, as Dr. Hayward spoke to, you know, we are also being devastated as well. So, you know, the CARES Act is giving some relief through the Medicare program, as you know, HHS has a program, and depending upon your proportion of Medicare activity, you're getting, you're getting a check for that. On the uh, Small Business Administration Payroll Protection Act, which of course has gotten a lot of press and airplay, we're simply too large to qualify for that particular program. So, you know, in terms of recovering lost revenues, you know, the, the programs simply aren't going to be near matching what we're, what we're enduring. On the commercial side, you know, Dr. Hayworth and I reached out very quickly from a telehealth perspective to make sure telehealth parity from a reimbursement perspective was in place. And I'm pleased to report they worked with us in that regard, Rob, and it, we're, we're getting paid as if it were an EM, you know, a typical E&M visit. So we're, we're okay there. But, you know, also some of the plans have stepped up in terms of trying to accelerate claims processing and relieving some of the, some of the other uh, barriers to getting paid quickly. I see some of that, but not nearly enough. But, you know, they're, they're trying to be there. But it's simply probably not to a degree we're going to need. So all in all, we're taking other measures to try and mitigate the losses, as Dr. Hayward pointed out, you know, from a furlough program. We're also looking at all of our vendors in terms of timing and payment. You know, of those, we're looking at other supply chain opportunities and, and seeing where we can make a difference there. So we're, we're having to take, you know, steps. And, and by the way, I would also compliment our, our physicians and our frontline teams. They're also enduring, as you might imagine, you know, an income hit, you know, from this particular program, given the fact that we're a shareholder-owned entity. And I'd just like to add to what Kevin said is that if you think about it, we're not doing elective procedures and elective visits. So that's a real reduction in revenue for the group, as well as not providing the ancillary services in the same level as we were before. Let's dig in a little more on telehealth. Scott, you talked about it before. It's obviously a, a critical element of uh, the adoption of telehealth uh, to this crisis. Um, Give us a little bit of detail, if you can, about how many telehealth visits per week uh, or however you're measuring it you're doing now versus, for instance, you know, six months ago. And well, why don't we start there, and then I'll ask where we think it's going in the future. Kevin, you want to take sure. a stab at that? 
Yeah, sure. So we, we're, we're doing roughly 1,400 televisits a day. Six months ago, we were probably doing maybe five to ten a day. Also, the big difference is we were using telemedicine for some post-operative visits six months ago and to save patients coming in, and we were using it for after hours urgent care in the middle of the night. Now we have every specialty up on urgent on telemedicine, and that's, that's how we really leverage our teledoc relationship because it really wasn't set up for that. And so the team did a phenomenal job of taking something that should have been a three to six month um, lift, and they got it done in two weeks. Scott, as somebody who's a physician and a leader in the industry for decades now, how do you think this plays out in the future, this, and specifically telehealth? Is this going to be the beginning of a permanent change uh, in terms of the proportion of telehealth and in, and in, versus in-person visits? Without a doubt. I think the public's gotten used to it. The public likes it a lot, and the, and the providers like it. They can do televisits at night after um, their home, after dinner, after maybe they put their children to bed, and they can do it on the weekends. It's a lot easier. They don't have to go into work to do it. I think it's, we have to look at our facilities and how we're set up in the future, and we're already studying ways to come out of this. But I think telemedicine is here to stay. I think um, employers are going to like it. People don't have to leave their desk to go to the doctor's office for many things. So it's going to be a combination of telemedicine with in-person visits. I think it all depends on what's going on. I think also technology gets better and better. Eventually, a doctor's going to be able to listen to a heart, listen to lungs, maybe even do other types of exams through telemedicine. So I think it's here to stay. I think this has been a revolution in, in the industry. And I would add to that, Rob, very quickly that, um, you know, while we're seeing 40 to 50 percent of our current visits uh, utilizing te the telehealth platform, it probably is going to settle down post-COVID to somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 percent. It is here to say, as Dr. Hayward pointed out, one of the things that we recognize being a value player and a value-based care program uh, believer, so to speak, is that we recognize that, that telehealth is going to play an important role in, in providing care when we can't. We're actually in contact with our multiply comorbid patients. More often, we're risk stratifying to understand that. So that's a, that's a key piece. And then one other I would, I would add to is that we're also using telehealth to communicate in the inpatient side from a discharge planning perspective, as well as our, in our post-acute SNF settings as well. So it's an added value there in terms of integrating and coordinating care for our patients outside of our four walls. Especially with the next-gen ACL being at risk. Our next-gen ACO has been very, very successful, so much so that we now have hospital clients for the MSO, which has asked us to, to help them um, through both MSSP as well as next-gen. So let's continue going down that path. Let's talk about value-based payment models. Caremount has been a leader in the New York market and nationally for physician groups in uh, adopting value-based models, uh, particularly in the MA world. How do you see this crisis impacting your ability at Caremount to grow that portion of your business, your value-based business? Thank you, uh, Rob. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, right. Dr. Hayward recognized the need for value-based care and going down that road years ago, and we've been committed to that and, and, and taking on a greater responsibility for the total cost of care. As Dr. Hayward suggested, we have 30,000 lives in our ACO. We have over 10,000 lives in our Medicare Advantage programs. 
and this is translated into value-based and proactive care. We've made significant investments in data analytics, care coordination, and we've deployed robust you know, physician-led medical management programs. These investments have been vital for our patients, particularly our most vulnerable patients who potentially are deferring care during this crisis. And so through risk stratification and utilizing our care coordinators, we are reaching out to them you know, at this particular point to keep them healthy, healthy and avoid potentially complicated and costly episodes down the road. And you know, perhaps most innovatively, as, as we've alluded to already, we're working with our provider partners throughout our geography and outside of our four walls, walls to coordinate care, discharge planning, post-acute patient management programs, all with the eye on improving care uh, and improving outcomes and total cost of care. We think you know, that we're going to go down this path even greater. It, I'm not going to suggest that COVID is going to accelerate you know, our, our road to value, but we look, we're looking to double the number of Medicare Advantage lives we have over the next two to three years. This perhaps put a, puts a bit of an exclamation point on it, because as you know, I mean, at some point in time, you know, full capitation or full global programs is something that we are absolutely keenly focused on in the future. We're going to do this anyway. I think the key for us and for current uh, providers that take on risk is that what does it mean to not be able to access these patients? We're doing the best we can over telephone. We're using our platforms to, to reach out through our, through our <coughs> coordinated care uh, platforms. But at the end of the day, we're deferring care. And what is that going to mean for fully, uh, fully global-capped uh, providers is a question mark. But we're ready to take that on. We're going to move in that direction regardless. Now, Kevin's a very modest individual, but Kevin's built an awesome team of people. His carrier background, Kevin used to run a health plan in New York. And when he came on board six years ago, I asked him to help with setting up and and we were an MSSP plan. We were in the first wave of MSSPs in the country. And Kevin's just taken it to a whole new level, so much so, as I mentioned earlier, we have hospital clients now. And we continue, want to continue to expand our, our value consulting and our, our value uh, technology, both in New York as well as across the country. We have built a team of data scientists and, and um, consultants and that have just it just really is beyond what anyone could have expected. Scott, as we sit here on uh, on Friday, April 24th, uh, people are talking about uh, return to normalcy over some period of time in the in the coming months. Talk about how CareMount is thinking about growth opportunities. You've talked a little bit already about value based, uh, but how do you see? Uh, the environment for CareMount to continue its decades-long growth plan as we do return to normal in the coming uh, months and uh, uh, rest of the year? Well, we've been getting phone calls from providers, so it's actually easier than it was. People are looking for a safe landing. I think they look at CareMount providing that safe landing, and I think they like the fact that we're an alternative to the hospitals that it's a physician-led organization, and we will continue to grow. We obviously want to cherry-pick the best providers, and we're very careful about who we bring on board, and we want providers who believe philosophically with the way the rest of the organization, that the patient's at the center of everything we do. However, I think, if anything, we're in a better position to grow. We're going to come out of the COVID crisis stronger. We're going to 
re-look at how we do things. We are going to do things even more efficiently than before, and I think we're perfectly positioned to grow. To wrap up, at this stage of the crisis, Scott and Kevin, share some lessons learned and specifically changes that should be implemented at physician practices like Caremount and other organizations that you're familiar with around the country to improve the nation's responsiveness to future healthcare crises, which probably includes a second wave later this year. Excuse me, why not start and Kevin can finish. So I'm blessed to have built an incredible management team over my 23 years as CEO. Actually, two of my um, senior people, Chris Kofine, my chief operating officer, and Dr. Rich Morrell, who's my chief physician executive, were Eagle Scouts. I, I didn't get that far in the Boy Scouts, but they obviously we try to be prepared. I think that shows in how we do things. We're, uh, we're actively working on post-COVID, and um, I'm very proud of the team on that. I think one thing we learned was we over-communicated the physicians, patients, and staff, both with um, group-wide calls, videos, emails. We have kept in touch with everyone. I think that's key. I can't stress communicating enough. We are ready for the second wave. We have a, a robotic lab that does 2 million specimens a day, if you can imagine. I mean, I'm, so 2 million specimens a year. And, and so they're very ready. So if there is... Uh, a return in the fall, we're going to make sure we have enough PPE and as well as testing so that we can tell whether it's flu, whether it's um, COVID. So we'll be prepared, hopefully for everyone, obviously, we hope it won't be there. So now I'll turn over to Kevin. Sure, Dr. Hayworth. I think you hit most of, most of the points. You know, clearly we understand the safety aspect and component. Clearly we understand sort of how we need to consolidate the thing I'm, I'm most impressed and proud of, too, is perhaps our nimbleness as a management team. As Dr. Hayworth alluded to, the esprit de corps, the idea that we've worked together collaboratively across all lines of the organization and quickly responded, and that everybody worked together, you know, from the physicians on down to the couriers, all throughout the organization. And I think that's the number one uh, piece. It coming, if, uh, if the second, you know, COVID, and inevitably there probably will be, we're going to be ready. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Dr. Scott Hayworth, President and CEO of Caremount Medical, Kevin Conroy, Chief Financial Officer and Chief Population Health Officer of Caremount, thank you for your time today. And in particular, thank you to your entire team providing care to us in the New York area, uh, at the epicenter of this uh, crisis uh, during this uh, incredible time. Thanks very much.